Who are you? Joe Dombrowski. What do you like to be called? Just Joe. <laughs> From Virginia in the US of A. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, this is the first we've done. Straight after the stage, we've rushed into the room. We're pretty fresh. It was a hard day today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the other ones have been a little bit more relaxed on the rest days. So, we've sort of pushed to make this happen. Joe was a big man for the podcast, so wasn't that hard to get him in the room. Thanks, man. No, no worries. Um Today, let's talk about today, actually, scenes we've just finished. Mm-hmm. Today was a flat day, a little breath in the final part of this race, it seemed like it was going to be, mm-hmm. and we went on the front foot to try and get our sprinter, Sasha, for the win, mm-hmm. um, which involved you riding on the front, mm-hmm. your favourite thing to do, Yep. <laughs> and then all of us played a part in the rest of the race, um, setting him up for the climb and then on the climb and then leading out in the sprint. Unfortunately, he didn't get up there. But as we just discussed in the bus, it was a well-executed plan. Yeah. And I sort of liked it. I liked working with everyone today and really going for a, a goal. Yeah. And, you know, I think that you get more out of people when there's a little pressure by default from taking up the race. Yeah. You because mean out of Sasha, say, the sprinter? Or out of Sasha, but out of everyone. Yeah. Because it's like, look, if we're going to control this race, then, for example, if Hugh and I are the first to ride, it's not our job to, you know, be there with 5Ks to go or 10Ks to go. You know, that's on someone else. But... If we've done our job, then... That someone else is suddenly like, I better be there with five I got to be there. And then the guy after that, the sprinter's like, "Ah, I got to deliver. Yeah. You know? And I think it brings everyone up and um, not that it creates this big stress in the team. I think it actually does, while there's a little pressure to perform on everyone, I don't think it creates stress. I actually think it creates team unity. Mm. So... I think almost that in this team, I've seen us more and more in the last year or two take up the race and ride, but in the past, I didn't see that as much. And I think that, you know, we've gotten more out of guys, not only in the end result, but also in the execution of the result. Mm. Sometimes, you know, that's not stuff you see on TV or in the results. But within the bunch, you know, people notice that. And, you know, whether it's riders or directors or whoever, the people at the race that see things with their eyes firsthand see that. And and I think it it makes a difference. It does. Like, I would say 
to go back on that is that there also has to be a mutual respect with, between the riders within the team mm. because and I feel like we've created that having not worked with you guys a couple of you guys ever before this Giro I feel like we've cr- quickly created in the last whatever it is two weeks the few days before the race plus the 10-12 days now this really good respect between each other mm. and then when a day like today happens and you see like your brother, you know, or mm-hmm. your, your teammate that I feel like we've got that, that good feeling out committing himself for you. You're like that element of pressure, like you said, cause you want to back up. You're like, you want to do it more so than if you don't have the respect for the other teammate. If he's just pulling on the front, you don't really care about him. You're like, yeah, I probably should be there, but whatever. But when you really respect your teammate a lot mm. and you see, for instance, you and Hugh, you and Hugh today riding on the front from kilometer 10 which isn't your thing on a flat race doing that committing and you're like yeah i want to do i want to give back to you yeah and i think it was woodsy was saying to me the other day he's like actually it was today it was today in the peloton he's like because he didn't have a role really for him going for the win say so he felt like he had to go back and get bottles and i Mm -hmm. said woodsy i don't really ever want to see you going back to get bottles Mm -hmm. he's like i said you know, for him being a GC man, every drop is a little bit of energy. And it might sound ridiculous, but you mm-hmm. got to look at it like that. Sure. And he was like, oh, yeah. I said, the way you pay us back is by performing on those days, not mm-hmm. by getting us bottles, you know, like your way to give, you want to do something for us. So your way to do something for us is performing on those days, you know? Yeah. And um, I think he really understood that and on that moment. So, mm. um, that is my phone tonight. It was Hughes the other night. Um, all right, let's 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 drop into you before we talk too much about the race. Now, what I find interesting about you is, well, I didn't know this before, but you started as a mountain biker. Mm-hmm. And I can sort of see that now. Yeah. Um, I still race mountain bikes every do now you? and then. Yeah, I, I almost won Leadville 100 a year or two ago. I didn't even know that race. Yeah. What is it? It's a it's a hundred mile mountain bike race out in Colorado. Oh, Leadville! I've ridden out there. Yeah, yeah. and funny like, it it kind of came about because uh, you know the team knew that I was a mountain biker, and even in the off season now I'll race cyclocross sometimes. Because mm. uh, I also race cyclocross, um, and uh, Matt Bowden, our communications guy, was like you ever think about doing Leadville? Because it's, it's like the, the big mountain bike race in the U.S. Is it one way or is it laps? It's, it's an out and back. Oh, yeah. um, but it's all basically all over 3,000 meters. It's mm. super high. Uh, and Flat? N- no, it's got, I think, four or 5,000 meters of climbing. It's, it's hard. More or less flat. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it's the hardest single day of racing I've done ever. Shit. Uh, and 160k 160k 5,000 meters of climbing yeah and you never go below 3,000 meters altitude Christ yeah uh and Cannondale was super into it you know because it's just interesting like ah when is it it's uh usually early August oh yeah if you want to do it we've we've talked about having like a team because it's it's a mountain bike race, but there are some, like, there are bits where you're on dirt roads and stuff, so there's drafting, and there are some team tactic elements to oh, it. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. 
I'd say it's kind of similar to like uh, maybe um, Crocodile Trophy. Crocodile Trophy, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, or Cape Epic, like that sort of like you know rough but kind of fast terrain. Hmm. Uh, but obviously not a week long. It's only one day. So you did that. I did that a couple years ago, and every now and then I still jump in. So. Back in at the start, you start as a, as a young junior in mountain biking just for fun. Yep. And then I saw that like three or four years later, it led to road. How'd that happen? Well, so I first got into mountain biking from, uh, there was just a, a group of friends in high school and we kind of all got into it together. I had, there was one guy who was quite serious and he was racing and traveling a bit as a junior and he kind of got us into it and it started out just us riding mountain bikes on the weekends, you Mm. know, and, uh, you know, it was just this group of us and we'd go to different trail networks on the weekends and explore. And, um, eventually, uh, we all sort of did our first race. Um, in the, the guy that got us into it had been racing quite a bit, but a few of us did our first race and it was, uh, the Wednesdays at Wakefield mountain bike series. So it's like a Wednesday night, you know, evening, circuit uh, race yeah yeah and uh i did my first one and i was hooked <laughs> you know just like i i how'd just you go, how'd you go third finished nice. third that's a nice little you didn't take the piss you didn't win it by like no. five lengths you also didn't get killed you got but enough. you're in there yeah you're you got there. enough to keep the taste there yeah yeah and i remember being so focused and so much adrenaline that afterwards I couldn't, you know, hold a pencil in my hands because I was just, I had like the death grip on the handlebars. Wow. Yeah. So then why did you go to road after all that? So uh, then, you know, kind of, I I started racing on the road, I guess, when I was 18. Um, And it was mostly because, you know, back home we had local group rides and the local bike shop had a racing team. Mm. So, you know, I'd ride with those guys on the weekends and, you know, we'd have like a Wednesday night worlds sort of ride. And, um, I started traveling to races with them and, uh, road races to road races. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just sort of ended up making the switch and, and ultimately I still love mountain biking and I, I mountain bike a ton in the off season, but I found that the racing was a bit more engaging in the sense that, uh, mountain biking can get to be a bit like just time trialing, mm. you know, like if you're the best guy, you're always going to be there in kind of the first five, if to you're, yeah, you're always yeah. going to be kind of mid pack. Mm. And it's like, well, I mean, that's cool, but it's also nice. Limiting. Yeah. 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 So, um, the road was just appealing in that sense. And, uh, I started racing locally and, I, I was doing well. Mm. So then I think the fact that I was doing well, I just kind of went in that direction. Yeah, right. And then I saw you were qu- quickly snapped up by Livestrong. Mm-hmm. They're, um, what would you call that team? They're under, sort of, is it all under 23? It, it was. Now I think they've gone to Pro Conti just so they can get into some more races. But at the time, it was only under 23. And that was probably a big deal because it was in the middle of sort of like when Lance was at his peak. Yeah. So was it like Lance's little team? Was that how it was viewed? Yeah, pretty much. And actually, the the thing was, uh, I got a friend. His name's Chris Hayes. He's from my, my hometown. And he 
he's raced for a long time. Never, never was like a top pro, mm. but he raced at a really high level. And he lived in Austin, Texas for quite a while when he was younger. And so when he's the same age as Lance and Chan McRae and, you know, Kevin Livingston, a lot of these guys that were based, because at the time, Austin, Texas was kind of this hub of, uh, of pros in really? the U.S. Yeah. So when the Lance Armstrong era, yeah, like back when Lance, even before Lance was world champion, like way back oh, in the nineties. Yeah. Okay. So my buddy Chris, you know, would always go training with Lance and these guys, and um, he was good friends with uh, Bart Nags, who was Lance's manager, mm-hmm. and also managed uh, the U.S. Postal and Discovery teams. Right. And at some point, I was winning races locally, and was 18 or 19 and Chris unbeknownst to me sent this email to Bart Mm. and was like hey you know we got this kid in in town and he's he's riding really strong and he doesn't you know he's not raced much he's only a cat four or something on the road but you can just tell he's strong and he's winning races so you know I don't know what your all's like talent identification looks like but keep an eye out for him Mm. And I, I didn't know anything about this, but then uh, the email got forwarded to Axel Merckx. Oh, right. And then Axel sent me an email. So Axel Merckx was the head director there. Yeah. yeah. And, and Axel was, yeah, basically running the team. And Axel emailed me and... Did you know who Axel was when he emailed you? Yeah, I knew who he was, but I couldn't really believe that he had sent me an email. You know? Yeah, right. And... Uh, he basically reached out and he was like, Hey, you know, we've got, um, a, an open spot at tour of Utah and we, we could add you as a stagiaire because it's after August 1st. Um, if you're interested, uh, you know, we'll pay your flight. We'll give you some kit and you can come race with the team for the week. And the stagiaire is just a trial rider. Right. Yeah. Right. So of course I said, yes. But I told him, you know, I'm, I'm only a Category 3 right now, and I can't do those races unless I'm a Category 1. Oh, really? Yeah. Because so, uh-huh. I hadn't raced much yet, yeah, you know? Right. So then I... So he, did he's like, well, you better fast forward your way to Category well, 1. Well, yeah. So then I, I wrote some emails to some various people at USA Cycling and kind of like finagled my way to get to Category 1 a bit faster. So normally, how do you get to Category 1? Because we don't have that system in Australia at all. Right, so so in, in, in USA Cycling, it's Category 5 through 1 in the amateurs. And basically, from Cat 5 to 4, I think you need to do 10 races. Mm. And then after that, it's basically accumulating points. So um, finishing in the top 10. Yeah, top 10 or, you know, whatever. And do you get bumped up whether you want to or not? Eventually, you get automatically upgraded like you have to go. But can you request to go up early? Y- you can, uh, but it has to get approved. Okay. And basically, in normal circumstances, it probably shouldn't have gotten approved, but I talked to some people, and I was like, look, I have this opportunity. Like, Can you help me out? Yeah, right. And they helped me out. It could have been the road of no return, though. You could have gone really crap in Utah, and then you would have been stuck in Cat 1, getting yeah. your ass kicked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so then I went out to Utah. Uh, Just turn- before you go there, did you, you did it blow your mind that you were going to be riding Utah? Because you're like, holy shit, I, can't, I, I was so far away from that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Suddenly I'm doing and I mean, Utah. like, for, for an under-23 rider, 
that team is like the pinnacle, yeah. you know, like they've got all the best guys, they've got the best kit, the best bikes, the, yeah. you know, whatever. So, uh, I just remember showing up and like, it was so impressive, you know? <laughs> uh, and did I, you like, bring your bike from home? Yeah, that was, that was actually, I forgot about that, but I, my bike shop team that I rode for rode tracks. Oh, that was handy. So, and I told Axel, you know, like, as though I needed to help him out. But I was like, hey, you know, I also ride a Madone. I can bring my Madone out there so you don't have to build one for me. He's like, okay. So I, I ended up riding my own bike. Yeah. Uh, they gave me, you know, everything else I needed. Uh, went out there. And I think I raced like a day or two after arriving. And it's at altitude. Mm. Uh, so that was a bit of a struggle. But in the end, I I, I rode well and... Uh, at the end of the week, he, Axel pulled me aside and he's like, Hey, you know, we're really happy with you here. If you're interested, you're welcome to have a spot on the team next year. Sick. Yeah. Uh, and at that time I was still going to school. I was in my first year at university and, you know, I saw this as this big opportunity. So my plan was, okay, I'm going to go to school again in the fall semester, but in the spring I'll, I'll take school off and I'm just going to race mm. and see what happens. And that was 2011. Uh, and I did, um, you know, a lot of the North American races. I remember going to my first race in Europe. Uh, it was Ronde Lizard in the in, Pyrenees. Yeah. In and, France, yeah. Yep. And the first, I think it was three or four stages, but the first day was flat, sprint day. And I just remember being scared shitless, like, because <laughs> we're going around roundabouts and there's road furniture and, you know, like in the U.S., we don't have any of that. Like, you, you just don't see that. So I just sat last wheel the whole day, afraid to do anything because I, it just felt so fast and whatever. Had anyone given you a word up about it? Well, they just like, oh... They just didn't even think to say, hey, it's... No, no. No, I just kind of got thrown into it. And the first day, yeah, I mean, I survived, but, Mm. you know, you're just like, whoa, what am I doing here? And then, uh, funny thing was that we ended up finishing at Super Banyere, the big day. Um, And I think I finished second or third. I was teammates with George Bennett, and we finished together. Kenny Allison won the stage. We finished second, third, and I finished second, third on second or third on GC. So it was kind of like this two total opposite ends. Like I remember the one sprint day, like just being scared out of my mind because I wasn't used to ra- racing on these small roads or around the so, roundabouts. So how did you go from being last wheel? Because often what happens is into the lead up to these climbs, it's like a bunch sprint. Mm. You know, the whole peloton's racing to be first in the climb and it's like a bunch sprint. So I can imagine you would have been near the back. Yeah. And then, so did you just ride your way through? Just murder through everyone. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then I was at the front. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately, it doesn't work so easy now, does it? No, it doesn't work in the pros anymore. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, but it was just funny, like these two opposite ends and I was like, ah, I'm really strong on the climbs in there, but the rest, like, I don't know how to do that, you know? Mm. And, uh, so I, I, I spent two years at Trek. Um, 
my 2011 went well. 2012, I had a really good season. I want to talk about 2012 because that's the year, seeing as we're at the Giro now, mm-hmm. and something I didn't really know about you is that you won the Baby Giro, which mm-hmm. is the under 25, is it? Or under 23? I think it's under 27. Under 27 version of the Giro. Yeah. Which is a bit cheeky, isn't it? Under 27. Yeah, kind of a weird number. Right, exactly. Did you find, actually, is there many people about 25, 26, or is it more under 23s? I think, honestly, I think the better guys are under 23s because mm. it's sort of like you have these continental Italian teams and it's like if you're still riding in those teams at 26, 27, you're probably not... Going to go pro, yeah. Yeah, you're probably not going to be a, a world tour rider. Yeah, yeah. But the guys that are, you know, 19, 20, 21 that are, are good there... You know that they beat them. They'll probably yeah, um, and yeah we did. How does the baby Giro compare to the Giro? I guess it's similar in a lot of ways in that it's a bit unpredictable. The GC is probably a little heavier on the climbing side than the time trialing side. Yeah. Um, what about the whole finesse around the race? Is it still like as big? Yeah, yeah. Pretty I mean, for a, for a small race. Yeah. yeah, for a small race, I'd say it has a big following. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because we had, I think, a full ten stages, which, mm. <clears throat> you know, for for a race of that level is, I don't think there's another race. You know, there you've got like Tour de Lavenir, but I think that's seven days. Mm. Um, the thing that makes that hard too is. The thing we have here, and I guess the reason why we can go 21 days is because we've got so much support around us. Yeah. Got the extra staff. We've yeah. also got the bus. Yeah. We've got shitloads of mechanics, you know, and that helps you to go further in the race. When yeah. you do, I remember doing Twitter Lavinia, and you're in a van, you're getting changed in the back of the van. All that little stuff adds yeah. up by yeah, the time yeah. you get to day 10. And I remember in those days, I didn't even, I don't think I had a rain bag. Mm. Now I've, got, heard of now I've got a rain bag in both cars fully stocked and I'm miffed if like, oh, I've got my short sleeve gabber, but not my long sleeve well, gabber. Explain, what, am I gonna explain do? what a rain bag is if people don't know. So basically you've got this bag in the back of the car and it's got all sorts of zippers and pockets and everything's labeled. We all have an individual one and this is in the car that follows us in the race with the yeah. director behind. Yeah. Yep. And so you've got your spare shoes and then basically all the clothing you'd need for any inclement weather, rain jackets, gabas, rain vest, uh, gloves. gloves, arm armors, knee warmers, full kit. Do you put socks in? I put socks in. Do you put nicks in? Yep. Put shorts in. Put jersey. Undershirt? Undershirt. Do you uh, put one of those skull caps in? Yep. Do you ever use it? No. No, I mean, no. I always no. put one in, but I never but, use it. <laughs> It's those days that you finally need it that it'll be there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, other other good things are like, um, for example, if you wear uh, contact lenses. Oh yeah. It can be good to have contacts or prescription glasses in, mm. in case you know sometimes like one falls out. And I mean, I I wear contacts. My vision's not so bad, but um, some guys it's like. If contact falls out, they, they can't the rows, see, yeah. you know? Uh, so stuff like that. Mm. Um, anyway, so yeah, then back back to the baby jury. You don't have anything in the car. In, I remember all amateur racing, junior racing. 
you might throw a rain jacket in the car. Maybe, you, yeah. You're not going to go back to the car. No, no. Going back to the car would seem really weird. Why would you go yeah. back? And if you, I, I almost think in those races, if you're back in the cars in the caravan, it's like, race well, over. race is over. Like, yeah. what are you doing back here? Whereas now, sometimes I hang out in the caravan a bit longer because it's like, this draft off this UAE SUV is killer. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, um, let's. I want to talk to you a bit more another time. We're only just doing quick snippets of um, each teammate. Um, and post Baby Giro, so you were the winner of the Baby Giro, mm-hmm. which is really significant um, as a young rider. It shows a lot of talent. And the first World Tour team you went to then was Sky. Yep. I'm sure everyone knows Sky. Um, and yeah, it was. A, I can imagine for you a big step. Yeah, huge. Yeah. I actually, and it was a big struggle my first season. I think on a lot of levels, um, I I went to Nice uh, because Sky wanted me there. That's sort of kind of like how our team is based in Girona. Uh, they have a base there in the Nice-Monaco area. And, you know, I, I didn't know any area from any other area so I'm like yeah sure I'll go to Nice and uh I lived on my own and I remember the first year I was just I hated it Mm. like I was super homesick I wanted to go back I wasn't happy um I didn't feel like I was really fitting into the team got thrown in a bunch of hard races no doubt yeah yeah and I think very initially you know my race program was something like uh Terreno, Catalonia, Pay Basque, Trentino, Giro. And that was the year Wiggins was going to try and win the Giro. It's a hard Neo Pro program. Yeah. And, you know, they were sort of like, we want you to be, you know, there in the mountains in the Giro in the last week. And uh, in the last week. Yeah. yeah, Like if I'm still there. Yeah. Looking back at it retrospectively, it it was a bit much for sure. And um, also in that time, I... This is, mind you, like, what, four years after you started the road? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And 21 years old. Yeah. Uh, At the same time, dealing with all the stress of being away from home, and I was, like, mentally not in a good space, I um, started having... The, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I was having these problems with my left leg. Oh, yeah. And... What, pain in the muscles or something? Like, I just didn't have power in one leg when I rode hard, and I didn't know what it was, and I, I tried working with the team, and they weren't very helpful, and, and looking back at it, I think it was kind of a big oversight, but um, I I spent basically a year, year and a half trying to figure out what was going on. And then finally we went to, um, I, I was really pushing cause I was not happy about it, but I was like, I want to see, you know, a specialist. And we went and I saw this vascular specialist in London and he's like, yeah, you have a problem with your iliac artery. Like, Are you like, finally someone believes me. Yeah. And, um, so it was, it was really frustrating. And, it wasn't until my second year at Sky that we got that diagnosed. And then I basically, I did the operation for it in July or August and I, I didn't race the rest of the year. So what does that actually involve? That What was the injury? 
So it's not actually that uncommon in pro cyclists, but the the artery can get um, damaged basically from like repetitive hip flexion, and it's the main it's it's you know the main pipeline for blood to get to your leg. Mm. Um, so and it was really predictable. Like I knew okay if I ride more than three hundred twenty watts for five minutes, my left leg's just gonna be kind of useless. Uh, and so basically, uh, they, in most cases they can fix it. It's not, not always, but, um, they have to kind of cut the artery open and, uh, clean it out and usually like, sew a a patch into it. Mm. Um, and it's a pretty, pretty big surgery. And I was probably away from the bike for three months after. Um, and in that time, uh, it was, you know, this is all happening at the end of my second year as a Neo pro. And I'm like, I, cause I actually thought like, this might just be the end of my career. Like yeah. I, I could kind of, I, I really thought that it was 50, 50 on whether I would race anymore. Were you starting to love the pro life then? Or were you still a bit like, this has been pretty miserable. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't happy, I think at first, just cause I was away from home and then dealing with this injury, it was, it was just a lot of mental stress, but I didn't, I was more afraid of it than anything of it just being like a career ender. Mm. So it's like, maybe even though I wasn't having fun, like now I feel like as a pro, I have fun, mm. but even if I wasn't having fun, I was afraid of it coming to an end. Yeah. Especially because I'm like... I you hadn't even given it a shot yet. I hadn't even gotten going, you know? Yeah. And I thought, ah, for sure, like, it's going to be hard to find another team. And I, I, they offered that I could stay, but I didn't want to stay there. Um, and in the end, uh, I spoke with JV, our team boss, about it quite a bit. And, you know, obviously we had to tell all the teams, like, what was going on. I couldn't just, like, not race the rest of the year and not yeah. say anything about it. But... Um, you know, he gave me an op, gave me a second chance. Yeah, nice. Um, and yeah, I, so I ended up coming here and it was, it was great, you know, like from the standpoint of, you know, we're an international group, um, but it is an American team in terms of like the organization and, as an American rider, you do feel that a bit. Like mm. you feel like this is kind of the home team a bit. Um, so it was comfortable in that sense. And I think, you know, they gave me like my first year. Um, it was almost like this year to kind of get my feet back underneath no me. No pressure. Just like, look, we got you for a couple of years. Just find your feet. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, it, like it was really structured in a – like. For example, like the goal from the team for my first year was like, we want you, we think, you know, you're going to come back from this injury. We want you to win an American race, mm. like Cali or Utah. And, um, you know, it, it, I didn't have a ton of experience before I turned pro. Sky, I didn't really get a lot of experience. I was out, mm. you know, the second year I didn't race much. And um, so they thought, okay, you know, like, Get him back home. It's American racing, big roads. He's going to be comfortable. And it went well, you know, and I, 
I was there in in both those races. Did you I, win Utah? I ended up yeah. winning Utah, yeah. That first year or the second the year? The first year. Wow. Yeah. What a comeback. Yeah, yeah. I was I think that first year here I was top ten in my first race on the G C. Uh, and then, yeah, I was up there. I think I was fourth or fifth in California. Just started feeling good, motivated. Yeah. Just like, yeah. And I felt like, you know, I'm happy here and this is good. Um, and then, yeah, it's been, I've really loved it here. And 2015 was a good year getting back. 2016, I had a really great season. Last year, I was struggled a bit and didn't have the best year, but I, you know, I've enjoyed it here and, um, I'd like to stay here and hope, hopefully this year's great too. And here we are now. Here we are. 2018 in the 2018. Giro. Yeah. Still half the big boy to go. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, let's have a quick chat about the Giro. So I've only got a few funny little questions here. How many Giros is this for you? Giri. 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 Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like, a, you don't say espressos, you say espressi. Oh, right. I've been saying it wrong the whole time. It's kind of like that. What is a Giri d'Italia? I suppose so, yeah. Sort of like how it's Tours de France. True. Not Tour de, Fra- Tour de France's. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, right. Giro, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> how many Giri's then? This will be the third. Nice. Uh, yeah, 2016, 17, yeah, third. Third, okay. And what do you like and what do you hate about the Giri? Um, I would say that I like the sort of pulse of the race. And I know that's a bit ambiguous, but the way the bunch races, I think is suited to my characteristics. Um, especially in the second half of the race, the first half, a lot of times you have some more sprint stages Maybe you have one or two uphill finals, but it's typically not like big mountain days. You know, it's maybe just flat and then the mm. last climb. Um, and, but in general, um, you know, maybe we could say this year's a bit different, but in general, it's a little more relaxed here than you, you, you don't have this feeling that you're racing a classic every day. Yeah. You know, it's not big stress. Um, it's a little easier to move around the bunch. And then typically in the last week, you have big mountain days, you know, and sometimes it's an uphill start. And at that point, you know, guys are far enough down in the GC, the bunch is tired enough that they let them go. And and then the guys just battle it out on the final mountains. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it suits me. Um, and I think, you know, you tend to like the racing that suits you. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I like it. My least favorite, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything I really dislike. Um, because, you know, even aside from the way the bunch races, I like the Italian culture. Um, I'm, I'm a coffee guy. Mm-hmm. but I, And in the past, sometimes I'll bring an AeroPress and hand grinder and beans and all that. But, um, you know... The, the the level of coffee in Italy, it might not be the highest in the world. And I know Italians are going to argue with me on that. It might not be the <laughs> like the, the hipster coffee shop in Australia or London or wherever. But the, in general, you yeah. can get pretty good coffee pretty much everywhere. And I kind of enjoy just trying everything. 
you know, every morning I order a cappuccino and I, I like to just, I, I take pre- it in, take yeah. it in. Oh, this is what you're serving. Great. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And because we have, we have great chefs and they're amazing and we eat really well and it's definitely something to look forward to. But because of that, we always know that it's going to be amazing. And I feel like sometimes that takes a bit of the excitement out of having something really good. Mm. And you never get anything shit. Yeah. So that's like kind of my, uh, why, you know, I might not get to try the food here, which is generally also excellent in Italy, but the coffee, it's like, it's probably going to be pretty good. Might get a bad one, but, but, then but when I get a really good one, you appreciate it. I'm just Jones and about it, you know, good call. Really good call. We've almost covered the best thing about... What's the best thing about Italy? Well, you've almost covered that there, but do you, you know, have another opinion? I'm going to say um, food and drink, but also um, I'm, I'm a bit of a both a, a car nerd, but also like an interior design nerd. And I, when it comes to producing beautiful things, uh, Italy's incredible. Yeah. You know, whether it's like beautiful furniture or beautiful cars. Um, the top of the line stuff is their top of the line stuff is really just amazing. Um, and I think it's a country of, of production, you know, especially in the North, the North produces some amazing things around Milan area. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. Last question. And you didn't really get much talk today, but what was the pillow talk of today for you? Hmm. Well, you know, uh, today doing the job that I was doing, riding the front early on, um, I would actually say there wasn't much talk because, you know, it's, it's interesting riding on the front because in a way it sucks. Like I'm pushing wind. I'm not really a rider for the flat. So when you're pushing wind, it's like, it's like me trying to ride uphill. Yeah. You're like, this sucks, you know, but the flip side of that is, you know, also the same type of rider, the skinny climber, you're probably also not the type of rider that likes racing with your elbows out, you know, fighting for position. So in a way it's also quite relaxing to ride on the front. You can just do what you need to do. Exactly. Cause you forget that there's a whole bunch behind you. Exactly. You know, and, and occasionally there are little, I would say there's two pieces of riding on the front that I really enjoy. One is I don't have to deal with anybody else. It's just me. The few other guys I'm with, we're all in it together. And there's a mutual respect between you there's all. There's mutual yeah. respect. And, and you know, we might be on different teams, but we're all there for the same goal. Yeah. So we respect each other. The second bit, and I don't get to do this often. And today wasn't a good day for it because we were on big roads. But... Oh, yeah, I know what you're going to say. But the other day, there was this one little downhill section with some corners. And... Me personally, I'm the type of rider that if I'm sitting in the middle of the bunch and we go down a twisty downhill and then it's all in one line, this big accordion effect after, I'm going to be on the absolute limit to hold the wheel and I still might drop the wheel. But that's because the guy on the front is sprinting out of the corner because he knows everybody else in the back is getting fucked. So when you're on the front... So when I'm on the front, I'm like... 
No, it's my turn now. <laughs> Brilliant, mate. Well, that will uh, conclude us today. We've got someone knocking at the door, so thanks for being on, buddy. No worries. Thanks, man. Ciao, chicos.